Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we're going to answer some listener questions today, and we've got a ton of good ones. We're going to jump right in. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Let's go. Our first question comes from Kyle. Kyle says, what's up with Sony's absence? Of course, talking about Patriots running back Sony Michelle. Uh, also, could you talk about D- Damian Harris? I notice you rank him above Sony now. I, I assume he's talking to me on that one. I don't know how you rank those two guys. But just in the past couple days, we've gotten some clarity on Michelle's absence. He hadn't practiced since uh, the late later part of May, and now we found, find out why. He had, his, he had yet another knee surgery, he had a knee scope uh, that will keep him out of, out of the OTAs, out of minicamp. Should be back by training camp, they think. But uh, this, is, this continues the, kind of the downward trend for Sony. The uh, good news for Damian Harris, how are you feeling about those two guys right now? Yeah, it's funny because this time last year I was very, very high on Michelle. Liked his talent. Watched him this year and wasn't all that impressed. Started dumping him left and right, lured about the knee, and then they went and drafted Harris, who frankly I'm not that impressed with, but I do, my radar goes up with the Belichick-Saban connection, that maybe there's more to that than we know, and Harris is, you know, uh, uh, there's some hidden information there. Um, and I end up dumping Michelle in the two leagues I owned him. Unfortunately, I got Doug Baldwin back in the deal, so that didn't exactly work out as planned. So that was back in that neighborhood, but I, I think get out while you can. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary for sure. The the thing with Sony right now is everybody seems to feel this way. Everybody's worried about him, and uh, you look at his ADP. I think it's still in the in the thirties or forties, and his value certainly doesn't reflect that. Um, so I understand the get out now mentality, but I almost feel like you have to hold him and just hope he. You know, he, he comes back and and regains some of this value. You would think he would at some point, even if uh, even if Harris does win this job. A, a, a interesting thing I want to throw out because I've now been removed from ESPN. Now this will will going into my fifth year, and my daughter needed an old crappy laptop that she's going to take pictures and put them on there. So I found this one that I had that I had in my last season with. ESPN. So that was four years ago, give or take. And I happened to find some of my old files on there. And one of the last things I did was my dynasty ranks of just four years ago. And the running backs, there's like nobody on that list that I want anymore. And half of them are out of the league. And it was just a reminder, just a slap in the face of how short most of these guys' careers are. Like LaShawn McCoy was my number one, you know, and he's done, basically, you know, and he was the, the, the yeah. best asset there for me. And I look at Michelle, and kind of like you were saying, instead of dumping him for nothing, if you got last year out of him and you can get a quality year this year out of him, that's not much different than the average back. So don't dump him for nothing. If he didn't get out when the getting was good, get him, start him, and hope he still has value. Yeah, that's that's a, a, a good point on the just the life expectancy of the running yeah. backs, I think. It, I, we are obviously in a better place now with the current running back crop than we were four years ago. Good point. But I still think we're maybe feeling too comfortable with some of these guys, uh, even even in that top tier. And you got to think of all the good ones that keep coming into the league every year. Next year's going to be no different. They're going to land somewhere, and they're going to push somebody out of a job. Yep. 
Absolutely. Next question comes from Tubaka, uh, one of our one of our loyal listeners. Uh, he says, "What is the latest 2019 first that you'd st- sell straight up for a 2020 first? Uh, so this was a really popular move to make even before the NFL draft. I haven't seen it as much lately. Uh, and once once we kind of saw the depth of this class and there were some good landing spots for some of those players coming off the board in that late first or early second round range, I haven't seen as many people pivoting to 2020. So when you when you look at the late first round and uh, you see Noah Fant there, you see Mikal Hardman, mm-hmm. Paris Campbell falling to the late first round. Even A.J. Brown is is falling in some recent drafts. It's just, I'm not sure it's a move I'm eager to make unless, of course, I'm I'm looking to get a, uh, what looks like a non-playoff 2020 first rounder. What are you thinking about that move now? Kind of feel that way. Although, since you and I have talked, I've, I've been listening to more podcasts with some early, early talk of these 2020 class and... I know this isn't exactly what Tabaka asked me asked us, but I feel like if I knew I could get a top four pick, those two receivers, there's two running backs, and there's others that could compete for that spot, I think I would rather have the receiver from Oklahoma, Alabama, the Swift, and what's-his-face from Clemson over Atheon. I think I'd rather have any of those guys over anyone in this draft with the possible exception of Jacobs. Like So if I could get... It sounds crazy, but if I could trade one two for a next year's top four pick, I think you win. I mean, of course, that's not how the world works, but you know what I'm saying. Those guys are studs, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so as well. And I guess maybe what I'm talking about is something that we see every year. You're you're always eager to cash in on those first rounders, but then uh, when it comes time to actually make the pick. Uh, it, it's not as easy. Maybe maybe we're just tempted by uh, whoever's on the board when it when it's our turn. Mm-hmm. As far as his specific question, um, I, I'm I'm maybe looking to make that move around eight or nine, assuming AJ Brown is gone. I was able okay. to get AJ Brown at the uh, at the eight spot in one of my drafts. I got him at nine yesterday. Right. So if if yeah. AJ Brown is gone. Eight or nine—that's that's a move I'm looking to make. But again, only if only if I think that's a non-playoff first. I I don't want to trade one eight for one twelve next year. I'm going to throw just a few names at you. Would you rather have player or uh, any you know random first next year? Daryl Henderson. Uh, I'll take Henderson. I think you can sell him for more than that right now. Me too. I mean, to me, he's my last one I would take. These other guys, I would not. Campbell. Hawkinson, Debo, Marquise Brown, any of them you'd take over a random first? Uh, definitely not Brown. I'd, I'd prefer the pick over him. Mm-hmm. If you're tight end starved, I could see Hawkinson. Yeah, Hawkinson, yeah. I think I'd probably take him. Campbell, I, I think I would go with the pick. Okay, fair enough. So I think we're in the same neighborhood. I mean, one nine, one ten. you're open to doing business, unless the team's an utter powerhouse. Sure, sure. Next question comes from Dan. Dan says... Where would the quarterbacks fit into your regular rookie rankings? So I'm assuming he's talking about one quarterback, not uh, not super flex there. Uh, we're talking Kyler Murray. He's he's looking like basically locked in as a first rounder in in most rookie drafts 
First of all, are you are you taking Kyler Murray in the first round? Yes, but not if I have good stuff there. You know what I mean? Like it, that's really roster dependent for me. I think he's worth it. Um, I might prefer him over Butler, Debo, Marquise. I mean, but if I have two or three guys there that I'm really comfortable with, I'm going to go a different direction. I know that's kind of skirting the question, but that's just the way I feel about it. Cause... No, that's that's fair. And as as exciting as a player as uh, as Murray looks like, and and certainly has the hype on his side right now, and and has some big time upside with his with his running ability. He's just going to be a player that I, I don't end up with very many or, or maybe no shares of hmm. uh, because I'm uh, I'm not willing to draft him in the first round and in most leagues I've got uh, like you said I, if you have if you're decent at quarterback already and and yeah even even decent not just set mm-hmm. you know if you if if I have Cam Newton if I have uh, certainly if I have a guy like Rodgers or or anybody else in that top eight range, I just don't. I just don't see a, a ton of reason to do it. And and even if I am hurting at quarterback, I think I'd rather spend a second on uh, on another player in a trade. You get Philip Rivers for a second all day long, or you know, oh, what certainly. I mean? right? Or probably, ben, yeah, or, probably right. less than that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of the same strategy we've talked about for years on here. Not investing too much at the quarterback position. And as exciting as, as Murray might be, I'm, I'm just having a hard time paying that price. He's actually 15th on my rookie ranks. I, I didn't have them in front of me whenever I answered that originally. So, I mean, I, I have Hardman, Fant, Butler, Samuel, all those guys ahead of him, Marquise Brown. But it's harder to find those, fill those positions. Right. Uh, b- beyond Murray, quarterback two for most people is Dwayne Haskins. Is he your quarterback two? Yeah, but big I, gap there. Big right? gap, and I don't think he's ever going to be a runner. That's a massive red flag against a quarterback for me nowadays. Um, I, Haskins, Jones, and Jones and Locke aren't that far from me, but I'm not believers that the second two will be NFL starters for an extended amount of time. And Haskins' lack of running puts him pretty down low on my quarterback ranks. Like I said, like I'd rather have Rivers or Ben or Breeze or somebody that's only has a year or two left than the rookie. Yeah, I'm I'm not spending, certainly not spending any second round pick on Haskins. No. Uh he would have to fall to the to the mid third round for me to consider it. And and even in the mid third round, there's been players that have fallen uh that that have me more intrigued. We've talked about Dexter Williams, we've talked about Rockwell Armstead, the guys like that are falling to that third round range, and uh, I'd rather take a shot on those guys and hopefully hit on a on a young running back than Dwayne Haskins. So I agree with you. Low ceiling. Yeah, Locke and and Daniel Jones, those those are guys that aren't even getting drafted in some of my one quarterback rookie drafts. So pretty pretty uh, pretty far down the board. And and again, you talk about the running backs coming in next year. The quarterbacks are are just as deep and, and tasty, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not as deep considering the the position difference, but uh, we're looking at at three or four guys who could uh, who could be first rounders in the NFL draft. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I would much rather have Darnold or somebody like that than anyone besides Kyler in this draft. I mean, 
without a doubt, Allen or Lamar or any of these other young guys. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online. We've told you about them before. The powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, just like an NFL general manager. But the question really is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much more. Wow, that sounds complicated, doesn't it? It really isn't. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite, which I'm sure you do if you're listening to the two of us. Well, this is the platform to test that metal. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mocked free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code BLUEPRINT to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Matt, our next question comes from a very special listener uh, on Twitter. He is Lineups and Chill, and he has actually won our giveaway, our first giveaway for our Scott Fishbowl spot, our SFB 9 spot. So uh, congratulations to him. We'll reach out to you with more information soon. And he's also got a good question for us, and this is – uh, this is right up your alley, I think. He says, when is a good time to listen and to ignore coach speak? He had an example sharing uh, a recent article about the uh, Philadelphia Eagles backfield. We've heard some good news about Jordan Howard uh, catching the ball uh, there at uh, their mini camp. And then uh, Miles Sanders has actually not been practicing due to um, an injury he had. He was also out of rookie minicamp as well, I believe. So uh, it kind of looks like Howard trending up and Sanders trending down a little bit. But going back to his coach speak question, you've kind of been in the business. You've been around, certainly around coaches, and, and you've, yeah. you've heard your share of this. Is it is it a case-by-case basis? Is it a time of the year when we mm. know to ignore what these coaches are saying? How how can we, yeah? How can we read all this? A couple things that we haven't talked about here is I heard Scott Barrett on the couch with Sig the other day, and I think I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he said right after every draft, you know how the coach and GM come and just kind of give you the overview of their class. They sit down and do a quick press conference. He went back and listened or read the transcript of all those, and I thought that was smart because. They, un- without questions, are going to kind of tell you what their initial thoughts are of their new players, what they can do with them. So I think that's a good time to pay attention, although take about 50% of their love for them. You know, I mean, they're going to blow them up more than you would think. This time of year, and trust me, I got one more mini camp down in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, and I would take about zero in terms of what I'm listening to, unless it may be an injury. But even so, if these guys have hangnails, he they don't they don't practice this time of year. There's not much to take out of it. You got to realize anything that comes from the media this time of year is probably them having to get a story out there. It's hard to come up with content this time of year, even if you sit there and watch practice. One little thing though that dawned on me today though was we were interviewing Roethlisberger. And you have to dig deep to find these kind of nuggets. But no one asked him about Dante Moncrief. And three times throughout like a 10-minute conversation, he brought up Moncrief as in a positive light. So that kind of, you know, a bell kind of went off in my head saying, no one's asking him to do that. 
you know, it's on the agenda for him to bump up Moncrief. He just happened to mention him in a positive light. So I would kind of put a little bit of stock in that stuff. But the reality is, don't get too excited about it. This time of year, do nothing. All right. Sounds good. Next question from Landry. Landry says, which one of the four uh, top four running backs would you be most willing to cash out on? And what would your sell price be? So uh, with the... Todd Gurley knee concerns. It, it now looks like we have a big four running uh, group of running backs that have separated themselves from the rest. Of course, talking about Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. Which one? Of, if if you are moving one of those guys, if you're most concerned about one, which one is it, and what are you trying to get back in return? Hmm. You would be a better person to ask of what the going rate is on a Kamara or Zeke or one of these studs. Because I very much, I mean, I do very much value having strong running back play. Even though that I said just a couple minutes ago, these guys don't last and it was a slap in the face. But man, you win a lot of games starting one or two of those top ten guys. I mean, if you start one of those top four, let alone if you start two of those top ten you win a lot of fantasy games, and I'm very much a believer in that more and more. Where early in my dynasty career, I was much more receivers. They last longer. They're just easier to find. It would take a lot for me to pry, for you to pry McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara, Barkley away. However, I would imagine Barkley's the most expensive of those. Do you agree with that? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yes. And he would be the one that I would shop the most. Not that I'm worried about him. I just don't think Daniel Jones is going to be good, and I think Eli's terrible, and Barkley's going to get an unbelievable workload and beating that that is good and bad. I just wonder, can he hold up being by far the only show in town if the quarterback plays bad and there's less touchdowns, even though I think he's super special? But I need a ton. I mean, I need three first, and I don't even know if I'd have the roster space to pull something like that off, you know? They're close to untouchable to me. Yeah, they're they're tough to to move for anybody. When when you get one of those guys who's a top five or six pick in a startup draft, uh, it, it's hard to want to move any of them. I think you make good points with Barkley. You look at these four guys. He's he's the only one who's on a team with some real quarterback questions. He's the only one on the team on a team that looks like they're probably not going to be a contender for the next couple of years. And like you said, maybe he is the only show in town. And in some ways, that's that's good news for fantasy players. But th- that also brings some concerns as far as workload sure. and, uh, and injury risk and things like that. So Barkley is, is the most expensive. You almost have to at least see what you could get for him. Uh, I, I would be, you mentioned the wide receivers, I would be pivoting to a wide receiver if I'm moving any of these guys. Uh, and, and of course, my top target is going to be Juju. So maybe if you can go to Juju and get a running back, uh, a lesser running back on top of that. Juju and Jacobs. Oh, yeah, certainly. Okay. I mean, Juju and Montgomery. Yeah. I mean, those those are moves I think you, you have to okay. consider. Um, again, just going back to that, the lifespan of running backs. Yeah, I agree. And I look at Kamara and McCaffrey, and they're awesome. But I don't know that in the end they're workhorses. You know, like the Saints, I think, will always have a strong number two. The We haven't seen that from the Panthers, but they did go get C.J. Anderson. 
Uh, I mean, I just don't know that their workloads can stay as extreme. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Question from Matt. Matt says, there's lots of fast risers this offseason. What are your thoughts on Curtis Samuel, Rashad Penny, and Kiki QT? Uh, Let's talk about those three guys just a little bit really quickly. Let's start with Penny. Of course, as as far as we know, he's going to uh, compete with Chris Carson for touches in the Seattle backfield. We did hear the report earlier, uh, earlier this month that that Seattle offense is going to continue to be run heavy. So that's that's good news for Penny. Can he overtake Carson as the starter this year? I was never a Penny fan. I don't own him anywhere. I'm really impressed with Carson. I think if there's some buzz now, I would be very anxious to move him. And I'm not in the in the uh, market to go get him. I think there is a little bit of buzz, but it's almost just... Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, it's almost just uh, along the lines of this guy was a first rounder, uh, and and now now is his time to earn this job or to take this job. But I'm not sure if there's anything substantiating that you know that those opinions, other than just looking back at draft capital and, and kind of the expectations we had for him this time last year. Uh, I, I like Penny as as a player to take a chance on based on his value. Uh, I've, I've seen him move for an early second rounder, which uh, is, is a fair deal, I think. Hmm. I think I'd rather have the pick, to be honest with you, on Penny. Okay, let's yeah. move to the wide receivers. Curtis Samuel, a player who's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of hype lately. Uh, think, thanks in part to our buddy Matt Harmon, who has been sharing some of his reception perception data on Samuel and it has I assume been, it's been positive. I haven't it seen has it. been, yeah, it's been very positive. Huh. So even, even some talk that I've seen that he can kind of be the co number one option with DJ Moore there. Uh, how are you feeling about Samuel this off season? Yeah, I didn't know that. I'll go check that out. Cause I'm sure Matt does great work, but he's a guy I've been kind of kicking the tires on everywhere. I can seems like his stock was a little down, um, you know, DJ Moore is going to take over. I, I think that offense is really well designed, and how, I thought that's a high flying offense. But Newton's injury still scares me a little bit. But um, I'm in on Samuel. I mean, I think I'd rather have Samuel than Penny. Okay, I think that's probably a somewhat hot take, right? Uh, yeah, that probably is. Even even with that uh, increasing value we've seen, I like Samuel as well, um, and. I think he he can still be acquired for uh, same same price range, a second round pick, uh, which is a a fair deal in my mind. Kiki QT, another guy getting some buzz. Texans offense uh, can is he the real number two there, or is it Will Fuller? Well, I've looked at this offense a lot this off season, and it is unbelievably remarkable to me how much better. Everyone is, in the offense as a whole, when Fuller's healthy. I didn't realize how important to the offense he is. And I don't think his production's fluky. Yes, the, t- the touchdown per catch thing is crazy. But I think he's a better player than I originally thought. And more dangerous than I originally thought. So, no, I can't say QT is the two in terms of value. But maybe he ends up with more catches. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I really like both of those guys. I think they're yeah. both both fun to watch, both very explosive players. And, of course, both have had injury concerns in their short careers. So 
I would I would love to see a full season where where both Kiki and Will Fuller are able to stay healthy, and I think they could both really gain some major dynasty value if that happens. So I I like buying both of those guys right now in dynasty leagues. That passing game could be very good. I know the line's a problem, but over the next couple of years, I think that passing game could be very, very good. I, I really would like to introduce you to a new sponsor of the show. It's our friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner, with leagues starting at $77 that go as high as five grand to enter if you're into that. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded, which is amazing to me. Brand new startup Dynasty Leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up. In standard Superflex and Best Ball formats, FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including Best Ball Draft, starting at $35, all the way up to $1,250 entry fees. Uh, Both slow and live leagues are filling and launching daily. So check out the FFPC Experience Dynasty Blueprint listeners. you got to go do that. Go to F. Go to my ffpc.com that's myffpc.com the home of season long high stakes fantasy football next question comes from ot sports a trade question for you matt and involves a couple Steelers: james connor and james washington on one side josh jacobs and mike williams on the other side so james connor and james washington or josh jacobs and mike williams which side are you taking in a dynasty trade the non-Steelers by a landslide. I think I'm with you there. The running yeah. backs are close for me, Jacobs and Connor. Agreed. And then you look at the the wide receivers, and I, I do like James Washington quite a bit, but still have like to decide. With, more. Still have to decide with Mike Williams there. So, right. Uh, I'm I'm with you, Jacobs and Mike Williams for me. I mean, I have Connor higher than Jacobs on my list, but I could make an argument the other way. I can't make an argument of Washington over Williams right now. Let's stick with Josh Jacobs as the topic. Next question from uh, Kakembas. I hope I'm close on that. Current ADP has these guys neck and neck, Josh Jacobs and Carrion Johnson. Uh, the upside of a three-down workhorse or more of a known commodity with second-year upside. Uh, I don't I don't know. Do you, I'm not sure I consider Carrion Johnson really a known commodity yet. Uh, they brought in Daryl Bevel, and we know they're going to look to run the ball as well. That's good news for carry on Johnson, but they also brought in CJ Anderson. They brought in, um, another, uh, kind of a, uh, speed back, maybe a change of pace back in Ty Johnson late in the draft. And they also have Theo Riddick. So they've got, they've got a lot of pieces of that backfield. Josh Jacobs or carry on Johnson. Who are you taking heads up here? Uh, Jacobs. I like Johnson a lot. I don't like what's kind of going on in the backfield around him. I mean, I could see C.J. Anderson, at least for the short term, although it seems like this has been going on for, in Detroit forever. I see a guy that's going to get more receptions probably, and I see a guy that could vulture touchdowns. So he's kind of stuck in the middle a little bit where Jacobs could get all the above. Um, if I'm sitting there at 1-1 and someone offers me carry-on straight up for the pick, I- I'm not taking it. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I want Jacobs here as well. Uh, recently totally uh, overhauled my my dynasty rankings, including my running back rankings. And that's that's always a fun process to go through for me. I really try to take a, 
a pretty deep look at each player I'm considering, especially obviously at the top of the ranks. And Jacobs ended up quite a bit higher maybe than I, I would have thought he, he might have. All right, a couple questions for you. Would you take him over Gurley, Jacobs? No, I'm not there yet. I'm, Me neither. I've, I've still got Gurley higher. I still have Cook higher than him by one spot. I have him. I think there's a lot of running backs that have been valued highly. We've talked about some of them already. Sony Michelle's one of them. But when you really look at their kind of at their profile, I guess as an NFL player or even their college careers included, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned or at least to have some doubts about those players. Agreed. And Dalvin Cook is one of those. Kerryon Johnson, I think, is one of those. Um, so maybe that's just a, a case of off season and, and we're over analyzing, but cook and carry on and Sony Michelle and Darius guys, those are all guys, Leonard Fournette. Those are all guys who ha- have fallen down my ranks and I would take Josh Jacobs over all of them right now. Uh, me too. Although I'm still have a lot of hope out for cook. I can't quite quit him. And when with Kubiak going up there, I'm really on board, but I want Madison as a backup. You know what I mean? Like I, if any of these guys just blows up, I think it would be Cook if he could stay healthy between in, in that offense. Um, last question for you though: Jacobs and Harry are off the board. Would you rather have one three or carry on? So Sanders versus carry on for me, and yeah, that's close. Um, okay, I'd rather carry on there. I think I'm probably taking Sanders, but. Definitely watching this this injury news. You, again, you don't want to overanalyze and, and read too much into a a, a June injury, but uh, hopefully it's not one of those lingering uh, type things that has us the same kind of things that has us concerned about these other guys we're talking about. Sure, yeah. I also have Montgomery over Sanders. So I still I still have Sanders and Jacobs actually close, but uh, that that might be flip flopping for me as well. Hmm, okay. You mentioned Todd Gurley. Let's uh, stick with that conversation. We got a couple of questions uh, related to that Rams backfield. David says, "What is appropriate value for Todd Gurley in a dynasty league?" And then a question from Ryan says, "MFL ADP has Daryl Henderson at five overall. DLF has him at fifteen overall, which is closer to reality." Uh, I think right now, closer to reality is probably MFL ADP uh, because since. Since this continuing news about uh, about Todd Gurley, Daryl Henderson has been moving way up uh, rookie drafts and, and rookie ADP, and uh, you're certainly not getting him at at uh, at 15. I know that. So, uh, and and I even saw him drafted at 101 in wow. a rookie draft. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was a bit aggressive. That that wasn't a league I was I'm in. Just one I was. Uh, monitoring, but he's my seventh, and I thought I was a little aggressive. I, I think anywhere in that in that five to eight range is probably mm-hmm. where you're looking at drafting him. He's he's definitely not falling out of the first round now. Uh, with this this hype continues to build. Uh, let's before we talk too much about Henderson. Let's go back to Gurley. How worried are you about this injury? Is he a guy that you're cashing out on ASAP? No, I think actually now's the buying time. I, yeah. I really do. Like, I want him and I hope, and this is what I'm expecting to happen, because the Rams have shown us, they rest their players more than any team in the league. Like, remember last preseason, 
Gurley didn't touch him. Gurley Goff, none of those guys. Whitworth, none yeah. of those guys went out there. I would assume that's absolutely going to be the case for Gurley. And my hunch is in redraft, you can get him in maybe the second round or a second, third turn. We haven't seen him forever. He's banged up. Henderson has a nice preseason. And then he gets 75% of the workload of his MVP type year. And he's still really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they just manage him. But he's still really good in a great offense. And they just limit his touches a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's fair. I've seen a lot of who do we want? Do we want Gurley or Henderson? I want them both. Uh, I want them both yeah, because right. I, I think you're right uh, that they're they're going to find a way to to manage the situation uh, where it fits them, where it fits Gurley, and where he can still be productive. But they they clearly like and and coveted Henderson for a reason as well. Um, so I, I want both of them. I'm not taking Henderson at, at 101, but I would take him at uh, probably at six or seven, somewhere in that range. <clears throat> and and again, he's he's definitely not falling out of the first round at this point. Like I don't think he's going to retire in a year or two. Gurley. Right. Yeah. And, but I don't know that he'll be a Ram. Signing that huge contract makes me think he could be a cap casualty sooner than later. Yeah, isn't, isn't that wild? Right. A uh, question from Mike. You mentioned a couple of these guys earlier as well, Matt. He says, I have Dalvin Cook and planned to pick up Alexander Madison, but Damian Harris was available, so I grabbed him. The Madison owner has Sony Michelle and wants to do a straight-up trade, so we each have our handcuffs. What are your thoughts? Well, why would your thoughts change? Yep, I would definitely not do that. I, yeah, right. He also mentioned he likes Harris better, so... We like Harris better as well. Harris has a chance to be a starter. Really, I think regardless of Sony Michelle's health, but uh, certainly with the news that we've heard. So absolutely not. I would not do that straight up. And in fact, right now, I, I think based on this early news, we have to value Harris as, as, as the 1B in New England, not just the backup. Uh, while, while Madison, I think, is clearly the backup pending Cook's health. So not only would I not do that straight up, I wouldn't even do that, you know, with maybe with a second rounder tossed in on the Madison side. Yeah, good point. I mean, I do think Madison could put up very good numbers only if Cook's down, and that's could be a lot. But no, I mean, you just took Harris over, Harris over Madison a minute ago. Why would that change? Yeah. Uh, let's dig a little deeper on his question, though handcuffing in general if uh how, how do you how much does that factor in when you're in a rookie draft if if you have cook would you have still would you have taken harris like he did or how much does that impact your your draft day decisions it's certainly a tiebreaker but if they're different tiers no i mean i'm not jumping a tier so to speak i mean if I, unless I was loaded at running back and I had normal picks in a rookie draft, I would be targeting Madison. I mean, because I, I, I like that situation an awful lot. Um, if I have Kamara, I certainly want Latavis Murray, especially in these bigger dynasty formats. In redraft, I don't care as much. Um, I, I think handcuffing hasn't handcuffing isn't cool anymore, you know. Yeah. But there yeah. is value to it. It's awful nice when your stud goes down and you have James Conner when you drafted Lev Bell. Yeah, for sure. 
Next question comes from Ray. He says, any tips on how to move AB, Antonio Brown? I acquired him on my contender, but he's impossible to trade on my rebuild team. Even contenders with mediocre wide receivers don't want him. Don't you think you have to trade him week four when he has 350 yards over four games? Yeah, absolutely. That's like uh, the only, and, and then, yeah, right. That's the I think answer. he's he's going to have a lot more value, a lot more trade value come the regular season than he does now. So that's uh, that's a, a tough spot to be in, and it's it's frustrating when you have that rebuild team and you feel like you've got to get this guy off your roster. But that's that's really the play is just to be patient, wait mm-hmm. it out, start him week one. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. Maybe win your week. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's still yeah, the numbers. <laughs> it gets worse when you when he's winning you games that you don't necessarily want to win but uh yeah that, but don't that's take two seconds for him or don't take one seven for him or something no, crazy no, no, no. Yeah, i mean he's gonna he's gonna put up a lot of fantasy points still yeah he's still i think he's still worth he's still worth multiple first rounders if you can if you can get two twenty twenty first, that's probably a cash out spot oh i do that in a heartbeat yeah just because yeah. that 20 class seems so good and if one of them ends up being one of those like top five guys that guy in by himself might be worth more than ab at that point did you know the average guy will spend 3,000 hours of his lifetime shaving? Don't waste four months of your life overpaying for poor-performing razors. Get Harry's, a razor that's so sharp you can shave less often, and it will save you money. I've told you guys many times, I switched many years ago to Harry's. My skin is very sensitive. I used to be an electric guy. Now I only use Harry's. So join me and the 10 million who have tried Harry's by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price. They're only two bucks a blade, and you get an awful lot of use out of them because they are so sharp. To keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. Harry bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making some of the best razor blades in the world for 99 years. Now they can provide great quality at factory direct prices with a 100% quality guarantee, of course. So here's what you do. Get a free trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a wonderful handle, weighted handle, for an easy grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, my wife loves it, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know that we sent you. Next question comes from Ryan. He says, is it time to move Zach Ertz? It's hard to foresee him putting, uh, posting similar numbers this season. What is appropriate value? So I mentioned this on a recent uh, episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. I absolutely think it's time to sell Zach Ertz. You look at his, you look at his career numbers, and uh, he, he basically almost doubled his career best last year in targets, receptions, yards, uh, and, and fantasy points. And you look at that, you look at the team, they had, they basically had no running game. Carson Wentz was in and out of the lineup. Alshon Jeffrey was hurt. Nelson Aguilar was hurt. Um, even some of these young, uh, deep threat guys like Mac Hollins was hurt. So really Ertz was the only option. And all of those guys are back now. They bring in Jordan Howard. They bring in uh, Miles Sanders. So it looks like the the running game is going to be much improved, you would think. They bring in Deshaun Jackson. They 
draft J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. This is going to be a different team. And, and then also Dallas Goddard in year two, you would expect to, to play a, a slightly larger role. Absolutely, I think it's time to sell Zach Ertz uh, right now. And you look at his ADP, he's being drafted. I think he's 29 overall in our latest ADP. Uh, easy sell, in my opinion. 100% agree. Love the way you laid that out. And just to put a cherry on top, I think Goddard is already the bigger, the better blocker. I think soon he might be the better all-around player. He's going to eat into Ertz's time. And tight ends fade away slow. So, I mean, it's not like Ertz is going to hurt you. But I think Goddard could be a star, and Ertz can be an afterthought soon. Yeah, I don't think Ertz is going to hurt you either. I, I mean, right. still, still a fantasy starter, still a top, top ten guy, maybe a top five guy. But great guy to sell, though. I think he's absolutely going to lose value, one hundred percent. So, so yes, now is a great time to trade him. You agree that when we look back, two thousand eighteen will be the best career season of his career. Yeah, I don't think it'll be ever close. Right. Right. Uh, let's stick with the tight end talk. Next question from Dynasty Football. He says, O.J. Howard or Evan Ingram long-term? Which one of those guys do you prefer over the next, let's say, three years, Matt? Howard, I think he's a better football player, a better blocker. Every bit is athletic and talented. I know there's question marks about Winston, but I'll still take my chances with Howard's quarterbacks as opposed to the Giants. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's O.J. Howard for me. We talked about maybe the quarterback concerns uh, hurting Saquon Barkley. I think it, it could certainly hurt Evan Ingram as well. The the splits, uh, Evan Ingram splits without Odell Beckham in the lineup uh, are, are pretty pretty tasty, pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, so we, we hope to see some good things there. But you have to think they're going to bring in uh, a number one type receiver next year. Uh, whether it's through free agency or or the draft, that's another uh, looks like a stack class. I, I just I want Howard here. I, I do think it's close, and and if I have Ingram, I'm not I'm not sweating it out. I'm still glad to have him, but Howard is the guy of the two that I would prefer. I agree. I, I did shop Ingram in a league though, and thought and didn't think poorly of it. You know, I got a lot in return. I think his value is pretty high right now. All right, one more question, Matt. This one, another one that's perfect fit for you. Scott says, this is maybe not dynasty specific, but you sometimes hear Aaron Rodgers doesn't utilize the tight end or Kirk Cousins loves the tight end. So is it really the quarterback or is it the system that makes the tight end position? You know, you hear that about Flacco. He's got fans. Now he's going to, you know, he loves throwing the tight end. Oh, he loved throwing to Bolden and Mason, too. You know, I mean, yeah. sometimes you just find a favorite receiver, and if it happens to be a tight end, then you get labeled a quarterback that loves throwing to the tight end, which probably isn't fair or accurate. Um, but I've heard some smart football minds talking about where the league is right now with these high-end athletic tight ends. And I had Mike Sando on my Locked on NFL podcast, and he called them the queen on the chessboard. And where I was going with this is, I don't know, as impressive as the coaching staffs are, those 32 teams, and they know way more football, they've forgot more football than I'll ever know. But there's five or six of those staffs that really know how to use tight ends well. And that's not an accident to me. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Saints, you know, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a couple of them. And I think your point about 
it, sometimes it's just it just depends on the how the players match up. Like Philip Rivers really liked going to to the tight end too, didn't he? And, the Hall of Famer, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason Witten caught a lot of passes too, right? You know, right. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's the quarterback. Sometimes it's just the quality, the talent of the tight end. And then it probably is the the scheme sometime, the offense, the coaching mm-hmm. staff. Now more than ever, though, putting guys, like I like Jared Cook in New, England, New Orleans, you know, moving guys around, motioning guys up to feature the tight end. Right. That makes Match sense. Match them up on linebackers. It's easier to get a tight end matched up on a linebacker than A.J. Green to get matched up on a safety or linebacker. You know what I mean? So, so with that, he mentioned Aaron Rodgers doesn't utilize the tight end. And, and we even saw Jimmy Graham uh, kind of become almost a non-factor last year. I know you he like runs Jim- like me. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> I mean, use your mic. Use Finley. I know you like uh, Jay Sternberger, though. Do you? Do you have no concerns? hesitations at all? No, zero. Right, right. That's what I thought. All right, good stuff, Matt. Thanks to all our listeners for the questions. We got a ton of them, and we always appreciate that. We. We got to as many as we could. We'll hit some more on Twitter and uh, and in later episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>